Well, good morning, church. Um, really thankful to be with you in this format. Um, if you consider Reality Carp your home, we just want to say we miss you and we love you. And we're really thankful that you um, are are worshiping with us, studying the word of God with your church family. Obviously in this season, literally every church who is online um, is putting something out. And so we just want to say good job, good job being faithful to be committed um, to worship with your family, uh, Reality Carp. And, and as, as strange as it may sound, if, if Reality Carp is not where you regularly attend, we, we love you. We welcome you. Of course, we love having you here. But I just want to encourage you, do not forsake whatever that uh, local assembly may be. Um, continue to press in. We need church and worship is more than just a one-sided like intake of information or a sermon or an online experience. We need one another. We need to be a part of a local church. We need to be known and we need to know and we need, we need one another. And so of course, welcome if you're worshiping with us, but um, let's continue to, to press on to our local churches that God has called us to. So this morning, we will be continuing our uh, study through the Gospel of John. It's been about a year since we've begun this study, and we're all the way to chapter 8. Um, and we will be covering verses 37 to 47 today. So if you will open uh, with your Bible to John chapter 8, verses 37 to 47. And the title of this sermon today is, When Jesus Picks a Fight. I'll read John 8, 37. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. Jesus is in the midst of this long conversation with the Jews and they were just talking about if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the, the Jews are saying, who are you to say we're not free? And, and Jesus says they, they are actually slaves to sin. And, and then he picks it up in verse 37 and he says this, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here and I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth 
in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you are not of God. Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have preserved the words of Christ, that you've given us the Bible, the inerrant, infallible, perfect, powerful word of God. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give us today ears to hear. You say that your children hear your voice, your sheep know your voice. So Spirit of God, give us ears to hear today. Those who have ears, would they hear? And Lord, those who do not have ears to hear, would they through the proclamation of the gospel today, would you give them ears to hear? It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we live in a world that is full of fighting. And you know, Jesus got himself into a handful of fights. You know, the the fights we're used to are are over politics or they're over COVID or they're over racism or they're over our personal uh, disputes with one another. And, And when we get involved in fights, not one of us is perfect. But the unique thing about Jesus is he is perfect. And even a perfect man, Jesus, was willing to fight. He was willing to fight. And the fight that Jesus was involved in, the fight we see him engaged in in our text is actually an extension of the oldest fight in history. This fight goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three where God made the world and he made Adam and Eve and he made everything good. And yet in Genesis three, we see the serpent. It's Satan. And we see him show up and he declares war. He picks a fight with the daughter and son of God, the first two people God created. And in the garden, Satan deceives even, and he starts a war. He starts a war there. And as we'll study this in detail later, we see God proclaim that there will be enmity between, between Satan and the woman, the woman and, and between Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring. There will be these two groups of people at war with one another throughout all of history. And, and we see that fight pick up in, in Abraham. And we see that Abraham has two sons and he has an illegitimate son, Ishmael. And then he has a, a son of the promise, Isaac. And that's a further representation of the, the, this, 
the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent at odds with each other. And we see that continue as the people of God, the seed of the woman are enslaved to Pharaoh. And we see this enmity between the people of God and the people of the world or the people of Satan. And and this fight goes all the way down to this day in Israel as Jesus as Jesus is now continuing that fight with the sons of the serpent, the offspring of the serpent. And the irony here is this fight in our text is it is a fight over who is the legitimate sons of Abraham, who is the son of of the, of the woman and, and who's the son of the serpent. They're arguing over who really has God as their father. Whose side are they on? And as Jesus confronts these Jews, it, it, this text was written for you to have you examine yourself and consider, am I Do I resemble the sons of Abraham, the son of the woman, the sons of the promise, a child of God? Or do I represent the sons of Satan himself, the the seed of the serpent? Who do I resemble? This was written so that we could consider where we are in this great struggle. And so we're gonna see three qualities of a true son or daughter of God. Three qualities of a true son or daughter of Abraham. And then in contrast, we'll we'll see the the opposite quality being true of the son uh, or daughter of the serpent. And so the first reality, the first quality characteristic of a true son or daughter of God in our text is this. And we'll frame it around children of Abraham because that's, that's how this conversation is going in our text. And so the first quality is this. Children of Abraham receive the word of God where children of the serpent reject it. Children of Abraham receive the word of God, but children of the serpent reject it. First pick up again at our first verse. In verse 37, Jesus says to them, as they had just claimed, we're sons of Abraham. He says, I know you're sons of Abraham, you're offspring of Abraham. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. He's saying, you're claiming to be a descendant of Abraham and I'll give you that you are biologically descended from Abraham. But what he's saying is if you are really a true son of Abraham, then you would receive what I'm saying. But here you are arguing with me. He's saying true sons of Abraham receive the word of God. And isn't that true? Isn't that what Abraham did? Remember Abraham heard promises from God that he would have a son, even though he was old and he believed God. He received the words of God. He believed God. 
Abraham received the messengers. If you remember in Genesis 18, those three messengers, the angels, even possibly a Christophany, a picture, or, or, or really the pre-incarnate Jesus shows up to visit Abraham. And how did Abraham treat those messengers from God? He, he received them. He, he, he made a meal for them and he interacted and had, showed hospitality. He received the messengers from God. He re, he believed these impossible promises of God. Abraham receives the words of God. But these Jews, though they're claiming to be sons of Abraham, they're rejecting the word of God. And, and Jesus, look how Jesus describes it. He refers to the word as my word. In verse 37, I know your offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You know, many people could say, oh yeah, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. But the, the, the test is, will you believe everything that Jesus has said? And these Jews would not receive it. We see it again in verse 43, jump down to 43. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it, it is because you cannot bear to hear my word. And then one last time in the last verse of our text, verse 47, whoever is of God. And that's a, that's a, an expression of being born, of being, being from, as in a son or daughter, a child. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. One of the chief tests of, of are you, am I, a legitimate child of God? Am I a son or daughter of Abraham? Is does the word of God have a place in your life? Do you receive it? Do you believe it? Do you accept it? All that it says. You know, the Jews were familiar with the Bible. They, 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 they said they loved the scriptures, but it didn't actually, they, 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 they couldn't bear with everything that it said. They rejected the words of Jesus. And truly, one of the poisons of our world, of our society, is a, is a general acceptance of God, a general acceptance of Jesus, but it's a rejection of the word of God, of the very statements of God. We've, we live in a society that is more in tune with the great deceiver, the liar, with Satan himself who rejects what God has said. <clears throat> Our society rejects truth. It twists what is good and what is evil. We, we believe the lie about gender. We've, we've abandoned what God has said that in the beginning, he created male and female. We've rejected what God has said about sexuality. Even in the church, even in the church, we often look just like the world when it comes to our sexuality. 
We've rejected what God has said about human life and that every life, every human life is in the image of God. We, we literally murder our children in this community. We reject people who don't have the same opinions as us or politics as us or skin color as us or background as us. We do not honor the image of God. And we've even rejected, sadly, often even in the church, what the word of God says about true reconciliation. The Bible says that the only thing able to reconcile people from different tribes and tongues and nations. It's, it's not through a works base. You need, you owe me this and you must repay this and you must do this. No, the only reconciliation is found in the blood of Jesus, in the gospel of grace, in forgiveness. Where, where we look to one another and say, I forgive you because God has forgiven me on the cross. That is the only way humanity will be reconciled to God and to one another. But we've rejected that. We believe in all the lies that the world has to offer. We've been poisoned by lies as humanity. But the mark of a son or daughter of God says, I believe, I receive, I accept, I trust in every word of God. The second truth, the second quality of a true son or daughter of Abraham is this. Children of Abraham obey God where children of the serpent do not. The children of, children of God obey him. But do you know what? Children of the serpent actually obey the serpent. Now we'll see this first and foremost uh, in the next verse, verse 38. Let's read 38 to 41. Jesus said, I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do what you have heard from your father. You see, there's, there's two fathers here. Verse 39, as they, they're picking up on what he's saying, verse 39, they say, Abraham, they, they answered him, Abraham is our father. But Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. First and foremost, we see this principle here that we're familiar with, like father, like son. That that the, the, the way our fathers are, has, a, has some impact on what we are like, obviously genetically and physically, but even, even in our personalities or even in our upbringings, our fathers leave a significant imprint on us. 
And Jesus is saying, that's not just only true physically, that's true spiritually. He's saying the way to tell if you are a son of God or a son of the serpent is to examine their life. What, what does your life look like? Do you resemble God? Do you resemble Abraham? the spiritual father who, who obeyed God and trusted God and, and did the things God said to do? Or, or do you resemble the serpent who trusts lies and, and acts in deceitful ways? And, and, and children of Abraham, they do what they do because they just are sons of God. They are, they are expressing their identity. And that, that same truth is, is true for the sons of the serpent. Now, the Jews begin to pick up on what Jesus is saying here. That, that, that he's, he's challenging their assumption that they are children of Abraham. They hear some accusation almost as if he's saying, you are the illegitimate child of Abraham. Now, in verse 41, they, they make this statement back to Jesus, this jab. They, they say, we were not born of sexual immorality. And it's a good chance that what they're saying there is not only are they defending themselves, they're also attacking a rumor about Jesus. You see, that this is a, a tight-knit community, this Jewish community, and they would know that Jesus was conceived before his mother and father were married. They would know this, this rumor that, that Mary got pregnant before she was married. And, and there was even a rumor that she was impregnated by a Samaritan, by the enemies of the Jews. And so here the Jews are not only defending their up, their, their heritage, their upbringing as children of Abraham. They're, they're even taking a cheap shot saying, if you want to talk about legitimate, who's your, who's your legitimate father? How, let's, how about you, Jesus? How, how's, how's your lineage? Where did you come from, Jesus? And then skip down to verse 44 to 46. This, this conversation continues along these lines. It says this, Jesus, now he was implying, he was implying they're not sons of Abraham. But in verse 44, he's just explicit what he says. Look what he says. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Man, talk about a fight. Jesus just told the Jews who were descendants of Abraham you are actually sons of Satan. Oh my gosh. And he, and what he says is, and, and because of that, you are doing in verse 44, his desires. You are actually doing what Satan wants you to be doing. 
In 2 Timothy 2.26, it speaks of the sons of the serpent. And it says they are captive to do his will, his desires. And and as the children of God, the the sons and daughters of God have the spirit of God in them so that, that they can from their heart obey God. So it's true for the sons or daughters of the serpent that they are captive to do what he wants. And, and Jesus points out two characteristics of Satan that is manifesting in these Jews. And the first thing he says is Satan was a murderer from the beginning. And as we've already read multiple times, these Jews were plotting to kill Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, you're doing just what your father Satan has done from the beginning. And what he's referring to is, is as, as Satan deceived Adam and Eve, in some sense, he, he spiritually murdered them. He brought about death that, that, that then became through Adam and Eve, the death of every subsequent human. And, and remember the very next generation you have that, that battle between the sons of Eve and the, the offspring of serpent. And we see Cain and Abel, these two brothers, and we see Cain captive to Satan and he murders his own righteous brother. We see from the beginning, Satan's hands in human hatred, in human rivalry, in brothers killing brothers. And, and I just want to say this, every murder that has ever happened in human history has its roots in Satan. That truly we all came from the same two parents. That biologically speaking, humanity are brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter how much melanin you have in your skin or what country your parents or grandparents came from. We are brothers and sisters. And like Cain killing Abel, every murder is a brother killing a brother. And we can break down racism and systemic racism and, and all of these 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 complex realities throughout all human history. But do you know what's beneath it all? Simple hatred from a brother to a brother. That's what's at the bottom of every murder in our society. Every true murder has come from Satan, a murderer from the beginning. And and then he points out a second truth about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, but then verse 44 goes on to say, he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And we know this and we see this from the beginning. Remember in Genesis chapter two, verse 17, God, the loving father of Adam and Eve, he says this of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day of it you eat, you shall surely die. That's truth from God. But then the next chapter, we see Satan, the liar show up. And what does he say? Genesis 3, 4, listen to the father of lies. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. That is a direct 
contradiction to the truth of God. Satan is a liar from the beginning. And every lie and every untruth and every rejection of the word of God has its roots in Satan as the father of lies. And so Jesus points out that children of Abraham do what Abraham did. They hear, receive the word, and they obey the word. They, they, they're willing to obey God, whatever he says. As God told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son and I want you to take him to the top of that mountain and sacrifice him. Abraham obeyed God. And as we know, God provided another sacrifice. But children of Abraham, hear the word of God, whatever it may require. And their lives are marked by trust and belief and obedience. Whereas the sons or daughters of the serpent are marked by lies, a rejection of the word, and disobedience and hatred and even murder. And so we, we are to look at these characteristics. These are the differences between the sons of Abraham and the sons of the serpent. But now we see this third and final truth. And, and I'll just uh, acknowledge this truth so hit my soul, so ministered to my soul this week. The third characteristic of the children of Abraham true sons and daughters of God is this. They love Jesus. They love Jesus. Whereas the children of the serpent do not. Look at the, this is the very middle verse of our text. This is at the core, the foundation of it all. What is the chief difference between a son or daughter of God and a son or daughter of the serpent? Verse 42, 842, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. You know, people can, they can know the Bible and they might even try to grit their teeth and obey most of the, the commandments, imperatives in the Bible, but, but only those who with the depths of their heart and soul and mind and strength, only those who truly and genuinely love Jesus are the sons and daughters of God. If you remember the church in Ephesus in Revelation, this church was marked by good deeds and good teaching. Those first two qualities. But Jesus said to them, this I have against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. The most important characteristic of a son or daughter of God is they love Jesus. That, that great passage in Romans 8, 28, we know that God works all things together, but, but who is that for? It says, for those who love God. 
Deuteronomy 6, the great, the first and great commandment is to love God. You know, we often think of 1 Corinthians 13 as, you know, if you, if you did all these great things in life and you have all these spiritual gifts, but you don't love other people, what are you? But, but let's not forget that first and foremost, above our spiritual gifts, above our sacrifice, even above your love for one another, we are to be marked by love for Jesus. For Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, that first mentioned fruit is love. And there is no one more important to love than Jesus himself. This is the true test. This is the true test of the nature of your heart and soul. Now, through experience and through scripture, we know this truth that we can't just muster up love for God. And we also know this horrible truth that we were all born as sons and daughters of the serpent, as enemies of God. By default, we are not born sons and daughters of God. And so what hope is there? How can one become a son or daughter of God? You know, back in that Genesis 3 chapter where Adam and Eve believed the lie and experienced death, we see God show up. And even in God's judgment against Adam and Eve's sin and against the serpent, and in that very verse where God says there will be war between the offspring of Eve and the offspring of the serpent, listen, listen to this promise in Genesis three fifteen. God says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And then God says this, he, her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The beginning of that war, there was this promise that there would come an offspring of the woman and he would crush the head of the serpent. But that offspring would also be bruised on his heel. Now, what is that speaking about? Well, we know this, that thousands of years later, the man, Jesus Christ, the very son of God, was pierced through his hands and through his feet. And that nail went right through his Achilles and his heel. And he was bruised and broken. And he died a death on the cross. But we also know that as Jesus died on the cross, he crushed the head of the serpent. 
He disarmed him. You see, strong as Satan is, there is one who is stronger. And through faith in the saving blood of Jesus, Christ makes sons and daughters of the serpent into sons and daughters of God. He says they are born again. They are adopted into a new family. They receive a new status. They are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son. You see, as Jesus is engaged in this fight with the offspring of Satan, even as Jesus says intense things like you, your father is the devil. As Jesus fights, do you know what Jesus is fighting for? He's fighting, he's fighting for you. He's fighting for the world. He is fighting for the sons and daughters of the serpent. That they would hear the words of God, that they would hear the truth and that that truth would set them free. Even look at verse 46, hear Jesus pleading, reasoning with his enemies to be reconciled with God. Verse 46, he he lays out this argument. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, hear him. Why do you not believe me? He's pleading with them. He's reasoning with them. He's saying, show, if, if I'm not legitimately the son of God, someone show me my sin. And he's saying, you can't, I'm perfect. And if I'm perfect, why won't you come to me? Why won't you believe in me? You see, Jesus loves his enemies. He loves the sons and daughters of Satan, those captive to him. And he came to fight for them. For you, if you have yet to believe in Jesus, if your life does not show evidence of receiving the word of God and obeying God and loving Jesus, Jesus came to fight for you. He came to confront you with truth, to reason with you so that you could be set free. So I just wanna encourage you, believe in Christ. His blood is able to rescue you from your sin and your captivity to lies and deception and darkness. And he's able to change your heart so that you love God from within, so that you long to obey him, so that you long to open up the word of God, to hear from God himself. You can do that today. As John begins his gospel in John 1, verse 12, 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. If you believe, if you receive Christ in his word, you can become a child of God today. And Christian, if you have been rescued, continue to abide in his word. Continue to walk with him and obey him and continue to above all else, love him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you came to fight and to fight for us to rescue those captive to Satan, to become sons and daughters of God. We know you have more to save, more to adopt into your family. Would you do it even today? And it's in your precious name, amen.